Hey, everybody. How you guys doing today? I'm so glad you've joined me at my little corner of the internet. This is Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Tuesday, March 23rd. I've got some encouragement for you today. We're going to talk about some sticky situations and a couple of divisive topics in the church, which I tend to avoid. But you know, today I'm feeling like let's tackle it. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right. So you guys, I'm so happy that you're here today. A couple of housekeeping things before we jump into today's topic. I wanted to just say a big thank you to everybody who continues to support the podcast, both financially and just with telling everybody about it. We could not be more thrilled. Did you guys know that you can also support me monthly at Anchor? So I wanted to tell you, we got several people over there doing that. Casey Smotherman, thank you so much. Kelly Harbaugh, thank you. Joyce Foster, Aaron Jordan, Danielle Parham, Yvonne McMurdy, and Julie Kelly, April Stevenson, and so many others coming in to support the podcast. You guys, we can't say thank you enough. It is your financial support and your prayers that are helping us get the podcast out, and we really appreciate it. For those of you who are leaving reviews for us over at iTunes, thank you for doing that, you guys. Thank you so much. We're inching our way up to 10,000 reviews. And when we do, we're going to have a huge big celebration over here. So thank you guys so much for doing that. A couple of things that are happening with me this week. So you know, this is the beginning of my travel season and I'm very busy for the rest of the spring and into the summer. I'll be in Teach Them Diligently, Rogers, Arkansas this weekend. You guys, so come on out. The 25th through the 27th. These are wonderful events. It's an opportunity for you to encourage somebody else and to be an encouragement. It's an opportunity for you to hear not just from me, but lots of other people who are there to bless you and help you lay the foundation for homeschooling that hopefully you're going to take with you for the rest of the time that you have homeschooling your children. All right, I want to encourage you guys a little bit this morning from Psalm 33. Psalm 33, verses 1 to 11, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Thank him with a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars and puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. For the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. I love that the Bible says that the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. Did you know that God has plans? He does. According to Jeremiah 29, 11, they're good plans, plans to give you a hope and a future, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And I've said for many, many years here, and if you haven't written this down, I hope you will, God's blessings are found inside his boundaries. As the creator of the universe, God is the one who is able to say what is right and what is wrong. God is the one who says, hey, this is how I created you. Walk this way. This is what will bring you blessing." And the psalmist had confidence about the future because he knew what God had done in the past. 
right? In Psalm 33, verse six, he reflected on what God had done through the word of the Lord. And we know that it was through Jesus that the whole world came into being. He's the creator. He's the source of all that is right and true. The Bible says he's faithful. He loves righteousness and justice. Did you know that? So when you hear these these uh, churches, these woke churches and progressive pastors right now that are talking about how this brand new idea of social justice, which by the way, if you got to put a word in front of justice, something's already wrong. God loves justice. He loves righteousness and he loves justice. So you don't need to be a part of the so-called social justice warrior movement, right? To love justice. We love justice merely by virtue of the fact that we follow Jesus and he loves righteousness and justice. And because of this, you guys, we can be confident. The Bible says that the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, that the purposes of his heart will stay throughout all the generations. You guys, governments make plans, people make plans, but the Bible says in verse 10 that these plans may fail, but we can be confident that God's good plans for us and for our life will endure. And so what's the response for this? Well, you guys have heard me say a whole bunch of times, the response to worry is always to worship. The response to panic is always to praise. Our response, our appropriate response to who God is and what he has done for us is always worship, to sing joyfully to the Lord, to praise him. You guys, turn off the mainstream media, turn off the junk news, the fake news that's out there right now. Open your Bible, get together with your kids, crank up the worship music and say, Lord, we're going to get today off of the bench and onto the battlefield, off of the sidelines and onto the front lines. Why? Because we're confident that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. This is also a reason why Jay and I gave our children music lessons. Most of our kids play an instrument. We did this even when we were straight up broke. And we did it through young people, brand new teachers, young, younger piano teachers who are willing to give us a deal <laughs> and help our kids learn an instrument. And guess what we like to do when we get together now? We like to play piano. We like to sit around the, the campfire with guitars and drums, for goodness sake. I mean, we love doing this. Our family loves doing it. Why? Because worship is part of the ethos of the family of God. So the Bible opens up this passage in Psalm 33 by saying, hey, worship the Lord. Take out the instruments that are around you, your pots and pans, whatever. Shout to the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Why? Because he's worthy of your praise. The plans of the Lord are good. And he wants you to be involved in every sphere of influence. You guys are asking some really good questions over at Mailbox Monday. And like I told you, I'm going to start answering them. I'm going to try to do it at least Mondays and Tuesdays and throughout the week. Tomorrow, I've got a really great guest on. Actually, we're going to have some really fantastic guests on for the rest of the week. And I know you guys are going to be blessed and encouraged. So today, I thought I'd take a little bit of time and get to a couple more of your questions. But I want to encourage you as we talk about some of these difficult things to go before the Lord and open his word for yourself open his word for yourself. I'm getting a lot of questions about women in the pastorate. And so we had a listener from Washington State, actually from Washington State, from New Jersey. A woman wrote in from Michigan asking the same questions. Heidi, could you please talk about women in the pastorate? Is it appropriate for a woman to be a pastor in a church? Well, this this is a divisive issue in the church, but I believe that the Bible is pretty clear on it. So before I jump into this, I just want to say 
that women, I actually don't know why women are fighting about this. I think that the Bible is pretty clear. You guys, there's a million ways that we can teach. Women excel in gifts of hospitality. We excel in teaching, which is what I love to do. Uh, evangelism, serving, helping. We're mothers. We're teaching our children, right? We're teaching people around us how to operate in the culture with what I call grace and grit. It's one of the themes of my run for Congress, right? And a lot of the ministry of the local church depends on women. Women are not restricted from praying in public. They're not restricted from prophesying or from exhorting. They're only restricted, according to God's word, from having biblical authority over men in the setting of a church. The Bible doesn't restrict women from exercising their gifts, even the gifts that God has given us from the Holy Spirit. And just as much as men, we are called to minister to others and demonstrate the fruit of the spirit to proclaim the gospel to the lost. Women belong in government. Women belong in positions of authority. But the Bible teaches that God has ordained that only men are to serve in in positions of pastoral authority inside the church. And this isn't because men are necessarily better teachers or because women are inferior, or because they have less, less intellect, this isn't the case. But this is the bottom line. So nobody get offended. Everybody put your, your daggers down for a minute. This is not about chauvinism. It's not men against women. This is not an issue of, uh, of one class of people against the other. This is an issue of biblical interpretation. And I know some of you are going to disagree with me, and that's okay. I think you're wrong. <laughs> but we can, well, we can disagree. The issue is an issue of biblical interpretation. How did God design the church to function? And that's the question we need to be asking ourselves. The Bible has said that men inside the church are the ones who are to set the example of spiritual leadership. They're supposed to do it in their lives. They're supposed to do it in their families. They're supposed to do it in churches. And frankly, part of the reason why the culture is so upside down and so messed up right now is the failure of men to lead as God has instructed them to lead. It's true. We see a failure of men to step up to the plate. Where are the men who are defending the lives of the unborn, like my friend Seth Gruber? Where are the men who are defending women and the honor of women and the integrity of women? Instead, what we've got is Cardi B out there saying, this is what it looks like to be a strong, woke woman as I simulate lesbian sex on national television is disgraceful. According to God's word, inside the church, women are to take a less authoritative role. I don't know where I, I don't actually know why we're fighting about this. The Bible doesn't restrict us as women from teaching. The only activity that women are, are restricted from is having spiritual authority over men in the structure of the church. And I do believe that this precludes women from serving as pastors in their churches. It doesn't make us less important. It's, this is just Heidi St. John saying, I agree with what the Bible says. And so that's the answer to the question. I get the question a lot. I do not believe, and I have come to churches many times. I'm asked by pastors that I respect, Phil Hopper being one of them, my own pastor. Every once in a while, I'll come in and I'll give a message of encouragement. I spoke, I've spoken for Mother's Day several times at different churches around the country, but I'm not in that position as a shepherd over those people. That, that shepherding position is falling to the pastor. And when I was at Abundant Life in Lee's Summit, Phil Hopper is the person that I was there at the request of and speaking on behalf of him that day. And so, you know, a lot of you are going to like, I can't believe she spoke in the church. Listen, I don't actually want to argue with people about it. And this is why I don't 
address this topic very often. I think sometimes we get our, we get all up in a, in a knot about it and then we're fighting about it and we're fighting so much to the point where people aren't speaking to each other anymore. And, and the devil's like, yeah, that was a win for me. That was a win for me. Again, I'm going to encourage you, go to the Bible, read Titus 2. You guys, we just did a whole study in the book of Titus at Mom Strong International. But speaking of Mom Strong International, my this is uh, my primary ministry to women. We're going through my book, Becoming Mom Strong, right now, How to Fight with All That's in You for Your Family and Your Faith. I think you guys will love it. Check it out, momstronginternational.com. You're going to want to pick up the book in the Bible study before you do that. You can get it anywhere books are sold. I'm going to encourage you to check out your small bookstores first. Little plug to the independent bookstores out there who are fighting for their lives against the behemoth Amazon. Next question. You guys are asking some really good questions. Next question came from a listener who is saying, Heidi, my husband and I, this is from Kansas. Hi, Heidi, my husband and I are pregnant with our first. And we're wondering what your best baby and parenting resources are or books so we can set up for success as parents. So I'm going to tell you guys what uh, a dear friend of mine told me as I was relatively new in my parenting journey. I think maybe my oldest daughter was eight at the time. So we had three children. And she came into my room and she saw into my house and she saw all these parenting books on my coffee table, right? Because who doesn't want to be a better mother? I'm reading everything I, I can get my hands on. I'm trying to understand my role as a mom. I want to do a good job. I want my kids to be prepared for the world. And she said, Heidi, I've noticed that uh, one of the, that the best book on parenting is missing from your coffee table. And I was like, yes, the holy grail of parenting book. She's going to tell it to me. And I'm getting ready to write it down. And she said, I don't see a Bible anywhere on here, which was kind of embarrassing. I was a pastor's wife. It's not that I don't read the Bible, right? But I'm going to encourage you the Bible really does tell you everything you need to know about life and godliness. It teaches you about instructing your children. The Bible teaches us that the responsibility for shepherding and training our children lies solely on the parents. It does not lie with your pastor. It certainly doesn't lie with the youth pastor. It doesn't lie with the teacher at your school, whether private or public. It does rely with the homeschool teacher, though, if she's the mom, if he's the dad. There's some wonderful books. I will link back to them in the show notes today. We're working on something called Heidi's Bookshelf. I get questions about parenting all the time. You guys have heard me. My friend Ginger Hubbard's been on the show. One of my favorite books of all time, Don't Make Me Count to Three by Ginger Hubbard. I love uh, the books that Dr. Dobson has written. He has a wonderful book on the strong-willed child. These are oldies but goodies. They're still good. You guys, the truth is always the truth, no matter what the culture does, right? So the culture can shift and things can change, but the truth will always remain the truth. So that was a great question. Next question comes from an anonymous listener in New Jersey. Heidi, I love the form that was recommended to share with people to push back against critical race theory and Black Lives Matter Incorporated from my podcast with Suzanne Gallagher. So you guys can look that up. Suzanne and I talking about social emotional learning. She said, I assumed that many parents would want to sign it here just to ensure this type of curriculum wouldn't be at our school, but I'm shocked that few want to put their name on it. The fear is palpable. Heartbreakingly, this is a Christian school, so what should I do? Many are afraid of angry social justice warriors contacting their jobs for retribution if they sign. I'm so discouraged. All right, so this is the same kind of question I addressed yesterday. You guys, if you're going to survive in the social justice warrior woke 
world that we live in right now, it will require courage. And I think when you take that petition around, I would tell the parents that this will require courage. Also, I think you need to tell them that when they sign that petition that you got off of parents' rights in ed, so if you guys want to go find it, parents' rights in ed, ED, in education, these signatures and these email addresses are not for public use. They're for you to build your own list off of. You're not going to give those petitions to the school board. You're going to hold them up and say, see these 400 signatures? These are all people who are going to vote against your next stupid levy and your next bond. If you don't start listening to us, we don't want critical race theory taught in our schools. And if you teach our kids this, we'll yank them out so fast, going to make your head spin. That's what you're doing. So I'd say one thing you can do to help calm their fear is to say, listen, these email addresses in your name are not going to be public. This is so that I can keep you informed, tell you when we're having meetings so you guys can show up. Fear is how you control people. We see this in the Rona. And so this, this anonymous person from New Jersey is saying that the fear is palpable and she's absolutely right. And even more heartbreaking that she's referring to a Christian school. It's just, it's heartbreaking to me, but we need to find courage and courage is found, you guys, courage is found in the Lord. And that's where we need to find it now. And so as you talk to people, I would just say, listen, I need you to be courageous with me. That's what we're asking people to do in my run for Congress. Be courageous with me. Stand next to me. Support me financially. That's what we have to start being very direct and saying, this is what we need to have happen right now. All right, you guys can do this. I know that you can. Last question today comes from Laura in Billings, Montana. Hi, Heidi. I know you've mentioned Tim Keller before in the Gospel Coalition, but can you refresh my memory regarding your thoughts on where they stand with everything these days? Well, I don't know where they stand with everything these days because I don't follow the Gospel Coalition anymore. Uh, The last post on Facebook that Tim Keller wrote was both discouraging to me and telling. It was eye-opening on about a hundred different levels. And I kind of, I was hoping that he would uh, walk it back a little bit, but he didn't. Tim Keller believes that Christians should have freedom of conscience when it comes to politics. I could not disagree with him more. This is what he said. Well, let me just say this. I don't disagree with everything. I just disagree with a whole bunch of it. (laughs) Okay. So I'll read to you what he said, then I'll comment on it. This was from September 16th of 2020, right before the election. The Bible binds my conscience to care for the poor, but it does not tell me the best practical way to do it. Any particular strategy, high taxes and government services versus low taxes and private charity might be good and wise and might even be someone inferred from other things that the Bible teaches, but they are not directly commanded. And therefore we cannot insist that all Christians as a matter of conscience follow one or the other. The Bible binds my conscience to love the immigrant, but it doesn't tell me how many legal immigrants to admit to the U.S. It does not exactly prescribe an immigration policy. The Bible tells me that abortion is a sin and and a great evil, but it doesn't tell me the best way to decrease or end abortion in this country, nor which policies are the most effective. The current political parties offer a potpourri of different positions on these and many, many other topics, most of which, as just noted, the Bible does not speak directly to. This means that when it comes to taking political positions, voting, determining alliances and political involvement, the Christian has liberty of conscience. Christians cannot say to other Christians, quote, no Christian can vote for, end quote, or quote, every Christian must vote for, end quote, unless you can find a biblical command to that effect. This is such poor theology, I do not even know where to start. 
So let's start with his the most egregious thing in his statement, which is the Bible tells me that abortion is a sin and a great evil, but it doesn't tell me the best way to decrease or end abortion in this country. Are you really this blind, Mr. Keller? What is the best way to stop the slaughter of a human being? It's to stop it. It's to quit doing it. It's to make it illegal. This is such an obvious point. And the Democrats and the Republicans are so far apart on this issue that it absolutely tells me that I can say with 100% clarity and, and a clear conscience, no Christian can vote for a person who would murder an innocent human being in what should be the most safe place on the planet, which is the womb of his or her mother. This, this guy, Mr. Keller, trying to walk both sides of the fence here, trying to do whatever he feels is politically expedient, which he says he's not doing, which he absolutely is doing. This made me so angry, I can't even tell you. Obviously, I don't have a lot of respect for Mr. Keller anymore, particularly when it comes to his position on abortion. What a cowardly thing to say that the Bible doesn't tell you the way, the best way to decrease or end abortion. Abortion is the killing of a human being. The Bible says thou shalt not kill. So what do we do in this country? We vote until it is illegal. That's what we do. And Mr. Keller is the pre- you know, the preemptive voice of the Gospel Coalition, which is why I no longer listen to the woke Gospel Coalition. I'm sure that they're producing a few good things here and there, but the wokeness of the Gospel Coalition and the progressiveness of it is very troubling to me. Tim Keller says that the current political parties offer a potpourri of different positions on these and many, many, many other topics, which the Bible does not speak to directly. These are the same people that would tell you, well, you shouldn't vote because Jesus wasn't a Republican after all or a Democrat. Jesus did not come to enter into the political arena. He came as the incarnate son of God to die for the sins of human beings. And his lack of involvement in the, quote, political arena of his day does not preclude Christians from being involved in these arenas. This is the most sloppy agape of almost anything I've ever heard come out of any Christian teacher ever in the history of the world. So that's what I think about that. And when he tells me that that Christians cannot say to other Christians, no Christian can vote for blah, 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 he's 100% flat out egregiously wrong. And it grieves me that so many people liked it and shared it. It just shows you where we are as a nation and as a church right now. We've got to do better than this. So I told you guys I was going to answer some divisive, some hard questions today, and I did. <laughs> and you guys can write to me. I'd love to hear your feedback. You can message me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. I love to hear your questions. We want to stay in touch with you. If this podcast is an encouragement to you and you can share it with other people, we would encourage you to do that and to support the podcast financially. Every contribution that you guys make to us goes to support the staff that we have working here, the tremendous amount of money it costs every month to support the podcast on our own servers. We have our own servers now so that they can't be shut down. So we're not working through Amazon or any of those other people we have and pay for our own servers. And so you guys can help us do that to keep these free from censorship and on the air. And we greatly appreciate that. We also greatly appreciate your support of my run for Congress. Please feel free to share that page and you can find it on Facebook at Heidi St. John. Congress. You guys, it's time. It's time to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. It's time to read God's word to do what the Apostle Paul said, to study, to show yourselves an approved workman who does not need to be ashamed, who rightly divides God's word. That is his heart for you. And remember the verse that we read this morning, that the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. 
The Lord loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of his unfailing love. That is God's heart for you. His plans for you are good. He loves you. He created you, and he wants you to walk in the blessing that comes from walking inside the boundaries that the creator has put up for you in his word. He loves you and we love you too. Thanks for listening today, you guys. We appreciate it so much. And I will see you back here tomorrow with a wonderful guest at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.